Uh, 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 podcast starts now. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, we have a lot to get to today. As usual, I guess I say that every time now. That's my, my new intro. Uh, but we really do have a lot to get to. Uh, we have some, a couple of game recaps. We're kind of in the middle of the playoffs right now. And I will kind of sort of do a playoff preview. I'm also going to uh, talk about the awards because I'm pretty sure we know who's going to win all the awards. Um, and also we want to do some, because uh, we haven't done it in a while, I want to do some some football basics. We're going to talk about um, you know, how, how to play football a little bit. Uh, I was doing those a couple weeks ago and it's time to get back to them. But the first thing I wanted to talk about uh, doesn't have anything to do with our league, um, but I thought it'd be interesting to talk about Mahomes' contract a little bit. I, I think everybody at this point knows that Patrick Mahomes signed a 10-year contract extension with the Chiefs, and it is worth up to $503 million. Yeah, you heard that right. Uh, he's not going to make that much, though. Um, he'll still make tons and tons of money. Um, and one thing that struck me that kind of popped in my brain, which is a long shot, but since it popped into my brain, it sounded more and more fun to me is what if Mahomes plays most of this contract and then gets another extension that's worth tons and tons of money. Like most quarterbacks now, he can probably play till he's 40 or so. And, um, and he gets a bunch of endorsement deals and makes a bunch of money off of those too. Um, and, and what if he saves as much of that money as he can? Could Patrick Mahomes, when he retires at, let's just say, age 40 or 41 or something, could he maybe buy the Royals? I mean, we know he likes baseball. We know he likes Kansas City. He, he said with this contract, uh, and he said publicly, I want to be in, his, in Kansas City as long as possible. Uh, so let's assume he still likes Kansas City by the time he's retiring. Is that something that could really happen? Because that would be really fun. He could buy the Royals. At, we know he's really good at things. Um, maybe he could make the Royals better. And and it would just be fun if he owned the Royals uh, after he played for Kansas City and won, let's say, eight or nine more Super Bowls. That would be really fun. And that would basically make him the king of Kansas City. Like, you know, they can elect a mayor there, but Mahomes is the king. Um, so I actually did a little digging on this. And, of course, if Mahomes makes every cent of this contract, then he's still going to get hit hard by taxes. So he's not actually going to have $500 million in the bank. But let's assume he, he makes... Uh, let's be really generous and assume he makes $100 million off of endorsements by the time he retires. And let's assume that he makes close to $500 million with his second contract and with this one. Um, and he's got, you know, $600 million that he could throw at the Royals. Right now the Royals are valued at about a billion dollars. i got to figure in 20 years or so when Mahomes is retiring, they're going to be worth one and a half billion at least. Um, a couple of years ago with the sale of the Clippers, uh, and it was a forced sale, they were valued at under a billion dollars. 
and I believe they were bought for almost $2 billion. So the the value of a sports franchise, now that's in Los Angeles, of course, the value of a sports franchise is probably more than what it's valued at. It'll probably sell for more than what it's valued at. So he would probably have to, I don't know if you can get a loan, if you can say, hey, I can put $600 million down, can I get a loan for another $600 million? And and buy this baseball team. Uh, but m- the more likely scenario is he'd kind of do what I think it was Derek Jeter did and pool his money with some others and they would have an ownership group. Uh, now, I don't think any of the teams that are kind of owned by ownership groups have ever been good at anything. So maybe that's not a good way to run it. But anyway, that's something that popped in my head that I thought, if I had that much money, what would I do with it? And that was one of the things I thought, well... If it was enough to maybe buy a sports franchise, that would be cool. So, if Mahomes is listening to this, which I'm sure he is, uh, Patrick, save your money and try to invest it maybe and grow it a little bit and take a shot at buying the Royals. Because we know you'd enjoy having a baseball team. Uh, But I want to talk about the details of this contract a little bit. So, potentially $503 million, I think it was reported as a $477 million contract or something like that. The the real deal here is uh, there are $63 million in salary, uh, which is pretty darn low for a 10-year contract. And keep in mind, this is an extension. Uh, so the two years he has left on his rookie contract, he's still going to play those years. So this 10-year deal actually doesn't start until two years from now. Um, I think there's $27 million that they'll pay him over the next two years as part of that rookie deal. And then after that, then this 10-year extension kicks in. Um, so $63 million in salary. So if he, he, he would, if he were to retire right now, he would get $63 million. Uh, $141 million in injury guarantees. I don't know exactly what that means, but I, I assume um, if he's getting hurt but not retired and he's not playing or he's on IR or whatever, then he, he still gets all that money. Um, the big part of this is the roster bonus. Most of the money that the Chiefs are paying him will be on the roster bonus. And that is, you can actually, if you want to find it, Tom Pelissero has it on Twitter, uh, broken down by year. And that number starts at about $21 million, and then it rises um, up to about $49 million. Yeah, $49 million in 2027. Um and the way this roster bonus thing works, this is how the Chiefs were able to say, we're going to give you tons and tons of money, but we don't want to be crippled by this contract if something goes very, very wrong. Uh, so how this works is they've got the base salary they're paying in, which at the most, the base salary gets up to $20 million, no, $27 million in 2030. Okay, the base salary gets to be a lot more right at the end of the contract. Goes twenty million in two thousand twenty nine, twenty seven million in two thousand thirty, and then thirty eight million in two thousand thirty one. Um, so it's going to start costing more then. But the way he's going to make the money before then are these roster bonuses. And the way these work is that the Chiefs have to, for the first half of this contract, so through two thousand twenty six, the Chiefs have to guarantee this roster bonus, or they have to decide if he's going to be on the roster two years ahead of time, whether they're going to pay this roster bonus or not. 
I mean, I guess technically they could still take him off the roster, but they'll still be paying him this roster bonus for two years. Um, so two years. So for example, if he's on the team June first of two thousand twenty-three, they are guaranteeing his roster bonus for that year, which is thirty-four million, and his roster bonus for the next year, which is another thirty-four million and change. Um, so this is interesting. I don't know if if um, contracts have been structured like this very often. Um, but it's kind of an interesting way to do it where it's not all just completely guaranteed, but as long as he's playing, he's, he's getting the money. And then I think there are some other, there's some workout bonuses and some other incentives and then a pretty good incentive package for him. And, uh, throughout this contract, if he make, if he, uh, gets voted league MVP, he makes one and a quarter million dollars. And if he takes him to the Super Bowl, he makes one and a quarter million dollars. So a potential two and a half million dollar bonus every one of those years. Uh, I don't think we can assume that 10 years straight they're going to go to the Super Bowl and he's going to win MVP. So that would mean there's no way he's making $503 million. But anyway, um, I think it's likely that 2027 when he is due $60 million, that'll be his cap hit in 2027, I think at that point they will be revisiting this contract and maybe looking to extend or restructure it. Um, If not, the Chiefs won't be very good that year, I don't think. (laughs) But um, because the NFL contracts in general usually don't make it uh, all the way to the end, even if they're like three years. Um, in 10 years, certainly not. So anyway, I think that was, I thought that was kind of interesting. If you guys didn't, then sorry, we just spent 10 minutes on it. But uh, like I said, I don't think he, he'll be 36 by the time this contract is over. I think he, I think they're restructuring around age 30 or so, or, or maybe a year or two after that or looking to extend him or, or find some way to kind of spread out that money that he's going to get, uh, later in the contract. Um, I had another point. What was it? Oh, I, I thought in our, uh, franchise, I thought it would be great if we could have this kind of flexibility to negotiate, uh, contracts instead of just, you have to sign him the year his contract is up and, you know, he wants this much money, either you pay him or you don't. I, I wish we had a little more flexibility on roster bonuses, workout bonuses, injuries, that sort of thing. But, you know, that's obviously not one of the things that they're uh, focused on a, as a priority in Madden. Um, but I, I, I wish we had a little more flexibility. I especially wish we could negotiate extensions for a player before they're on the last year of their deal, like the Chiefs did here. They, they still had two years of control over Mahomes' contract, and uh, and they went ahead and got it done. So that's interesting. If you want to look at more of that, uh, like I said, you can look up Tom Pellicero on Twitter. This is probably, let's see, when did he post this? July 6th, if you want to look at all the numbers. Um, and I found it via uh, a Yahoo Sports article. Um, so yeah, just kind of interesting thing on Mahomes there. And again, I, I think he's going to make a ton of money on endorsements and he'll get another contract at some point. 
so he could make a lot of money. Rob Gronkowski was known for uh, not spending any of the money he made on football. He saved or invested all of it and only lived on his endorsement money. And Mahomes can certainly do something like that if he wants to. Uh, so pretty cool. It's I also think um, if you want to learn more about contracts and things like that, um, Andrew Brandt is a really good resource. I think he's probably the best out there that I have seen at um, talking about the business side of football. Uh, he's on the Ross Tucker podcast or the Ross Tucker network of podcasts. He's a, he was a guest recently on the Ross Tucker podcast, which is another podcast I recommend. I hate that I'm given all these recommendations for all my competitors, but um, he was on the Ross Tucker podcast and he talked about this contract and he, and he has his own podcast called the Business of Sports podcast. Um, that's Andrew Brandt. And he's a guy that he really advocates for the players making as much money as they can uh, as opposed to the teams making money. And he is he wants to see NFL players uh, end up with fully guaranteed contracts like uh, basketball and baseball. And I don't know if that'll ever happen, but so when he saw this contract, he did not think it was good. He did not like it for Mahomes because it's so long uh, and because he's not getting tons and tons of guaranteed money. But, you know, this is what Mahomes wanted, not what Andrew Brandt wanted. But I, I thought that was interesting listening to him talk about that and how he thinks players have better leverage if they only sign three-year contracts or so and then go to free agency again because then you've got major leverage against your team to get more money, and so he thought the length uh, really hurt Mahomes, and, and he's probably in the long run right, but I mean, who's to say, who's to say that you got the bad end of a contract when you make half a billion dollars? So anyway, we'll move on to our league now. So real quick, we are gonna recap the playoffs up to this point, and then do a very brief Super Bowl preview. So looking at the wild card round of the playoffs, the Patriots beat the Chargers by quite a bit. The Panthers beat the Eagles by quite a bit. And the Chiefs beat the Bengals by quite a bit. Actually, the same score, uh, 31-14 in both those games. And New England won 42-14. Uh, I wonder why we're all letting the computer score so much on us, but I did the same thing later, so, you know, whatever. Um, Browns and Chiefs in the divisional round. This was a 38-27 Cleveland victory, and, well, let's just say I thought somebody was drunk at the beginning of this game, and then I thought somebody else was drunk at the end of this game. Um, the Browns started out with two pick sixes in the first half and, and did not look very good, and the Chiefs looked very sharp, and I don't remember exactly what the score was, but at halftime, I think the Chiefs may have had a three-score lead and and really had a chance to, you know, burn clock and, and hang on to this thing. One of the problems with gaining leads via pick sixes is that you don't get a chance to get the ball in your hands and run offense. You, you put the other team's offense right back out there, uh, but you still have the lead, and that's nice. And that's what the Chiefs had. Uh, and the Browns just did not look good, throwing the ball in weird places, uh, they started the game, if I remember right, I think 19 of their first 20 plays were pass plays. Uh, so not a lot of balance. And once they got running 
and balance out their offense a little bit, then Cleveland started looking a lot better. They stopped throwing the ball in dangerous places, and then the Chiefs started to do that in the second half, uh, throwing in the double coverage. And, and man, guys, and I, I'm still learning how to do this too, but if you see the defender that is being controlled by the user covering the guy you want to throw to, it's probably a good idea to stay away from that. And I think that happened twice where uh, uh, the user-controlled linebacker for the Browns got underneath a pass route um, and just ran under it and got an interception because it was thrown there anyway. Um, so th- I think that's something we can all work on. Is I- I'm starting to try to work on that. If I see the user-controlled player, I'm just going somewhere else probably. Uh, unless he really screws up, but um, I'll, some some of you guys have gotten so good at covering people that it's I'm not completing the pass for sure if I throw it there, and it's likely an interception. So, thirty-eight uh, twenty-seven Cleveland victory. The Browns move on. Uh, the Patriots played the Brooklyn Bulls and they won fifty-six twenty-one. Nobody cares about that game uh, because if you're playing the computer, you should win, and that's that. And then Packers and Panthers, uh, another really good game here. The Packers came out on top 24-17. Phil Corcoran had an outstanding game, uh, very efficient. And uh, the Packers went down on a last-minute, two-minute drill and scored the winning touchdown. And and that's really about all there is to say about that. This is a tough Packers team to beat right now. And and once again, uh, Packers tight end Tanner Sheffield is the boogeyman that will haunt the dreams of the Carolina Panthers. He had two touchdowns in this game and was just uncoverable in the red zone. Uh, At times, the Panthers have done well against him, but most of the time, he's a big problem for them. So uh, in the championship games, uh, the Packers have already played and won theirs. They beat the Packers 45-20. And the Patriots and Browns will be sometime in the future. Um, and what to look for in that game. Do the Browns have an identity yet? Um, they they threw the ball probably too much in their last game. Uh, and then when they got balanced out and they were running and throwing, uh, they looked better. Absolutely tortured the Chiefs' nickelback. I don't remember his name. Um, but he just got killed in that game. Uh, so they're using the slot receiver really effectively. Um, and then the Patriots, I don't think I watched either of their playoff games, um, but they've got Cam Mosley running again pretty well, I think. And their quarterback's gotten better. He, he's still been struggling against user teams. Um, but And they got a, a pretty good defense. I, I think they're pretty good in the secondary, and they got a nice pass rush. So... Uh, I don't know what to expect in that game. Vegas has the Browns as the home, home team as four-and-a-half-point favorites. So oh, place your bets on that accordingly. So then the Super Bowl will be the Packers against one of those teams. And uh, against the Browns, I think the the Packers might have the edge because that Browns offensive line is young, and the Packers have a really good pass rush. Um, but, you know, th- those two teams always play close games. And then on the other side of the ball, the Packers' offense is just loaded. And the Browns are are really good on defense. But the Packers, if they don't shoot themselves in the foot, uh, they can move the ball up and down the field. 
And then if it were to be a, a Packers-Patriots game, I believe the Patriots have won that matchup the last two times they've played, possibly. Um, Packers had trouble throwing interceptions in both those games. So if the Packers can take care of the ball, I, that, that game comes down to whoever takes care of the ball, I'm pretty sure. Um, so one of those two things is going to happen, and we have that to look forward to. So now let's briefly go over uh, the awards, because some of the guys winning these awards may uh, have improvements to their development traits because of it. Um, first up, the two big ones, the Coach of the Year and the League MVP. None of those are users. Uh, Matt Kurth, who I believe is a first-year coach that the computer made up, uh, for the Rams is the Coach of the Year, 11-4-1 and and Rams. And... Alex Munniger for the Browns ranked 6th in Coach of the Year voting, and I think that may be the highest he has ever ranked. So the voters continue to disrespect him, uh, and this is one of his better coaching years, going to the AFC Championship game with a very young team. Um, but, you know, once again, I think the perception around the league about how the Browns are run um, and just the discord that they seem to always have in their locker room, I think contributed to, you know, the voters not voting for the Browns much in that regard. Uh, league MVP is quarterback, uh, Matt McAllister for the Brooklyn Bulls, formerly the Jaguars. So we don't really care about that. Um, but moving to the, uh, AFC and those awards there. Uh, the Defensive Player of the Year is Jawara Alexander for the Patriots. So congratulations to him. I'm going to find out what position he plays because I don't know. He's a strong safety. Uh, had five interceptions this year, six sacks. So, you know, you know you're a versatile safety when you're getting decent sack numbers and interception numbers. Also led the team in tackles. Um, so, really good year for him. Well earned. Um, moving on to the Offensive Rookie of the Year, and that is Evan Lane, the quarterback for the Browns. Uh, I think we all saw this one coming, probably. And he did have a very nice year. Uh, very efficient on the touchdown to interception ratio. He had 35-8 to eight there. And a quarterback rating of 119, over 4,000 yards. So a really nice rookie year for him. So he ran away with that award. And the rook, the uh, running back of the year is, as it has been before, Cam Mosley for the Patriots. And he had 1,100 yards and 14 touchdowns this year. Uh, getting up there in years a little bit, but still going pretty strong. Uh, receiver of the year was JT Hughes for the Chiefs. So that's exciting. I don't know if he's won that award before. I think he did. I think he improved his development rate winning that uh, one time, and he did it again this year. 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns for JT Hughes. Also had 85 catches, which is quite a few on Madden. Um, so a big year for, for him, really carried the Chiefs. Uh, offensive lineman of the year was Dennis Moore for the Patriots. And then on defense, uh, we had a few award winners for user teams. Uh, Daniel Craig for the Chiefs. Um, apparently during this uh, long absence between Bond movies, he uh, 
He got in some seasons for the Chiefs. He had 15 sacks this year as a defensive end. So he won uh, Defensive Lineman of the Year. And uh, I think his name is Kyrie Sweeney of the Chiefs at Strong Safety is the DB of the Year. Why the Defensive Player of the Year and the DB of the Year are different uh, when they're both strong safeties, I'm not sure. That seems a little odd. But Kyrie Sweeney had six interceptions this year. I think he had a couple of pick sixes in games that I watched. Uh, no, he didn't score a touchdown this year, so no, he didn't. Um, but he had some big interceptions in games that I watched because I can remember that happening. Um, so that's the DB of the year. And then linebacker of the year uh, came from the Patriots. So the Patriots and Chiefs did a lot of damage in the uh, awards. Uh, the linebacker of the year was... Buchanan, middle linebacker Ricky Buchanan for the Patriots. Uh, he had 15 sacks from the middle linebacker position. You don't see that very often. Uh, so good for him. Uh, in the NFC, uh, not as many award winners here. Of course, there is uh, one fewer teams in the NFC. Uh, but the big one here is the Defensive Player of the Year award, Julius Brackett for the Panthers, who... Just exploded on the scene a couple of years ago as a pass rusher from the outside linebacker position. And uh, he's just been a terror for everybody. And he is again this year. He had 28 sacks this year, uh, which is a huge, huge number. And, of course, that's why he won Defensive Player of the Year. He also won Linebacker of the Year. And, well, that's why, because of this, all those sacks. Uh, offensive Rookie of the Year was Bo Nicholas for the Packers. And he had an outstanding rookie year at receiver. He had 1,200 yards receiving and 17 touchdowns. So those are pretty big numbers uh, for a rookie playing receiver. Uh, he's a speedster. He's one of those smaller, speedy guys. He also won uh, Receiver of the Year. So two awards for him. That's, that's big news. Uh, and then... The last award won by a user player in the NFC is the running back of the year, and that was Damon Kelly for the Panthers. Uh, didn't even have 1,000 yards this year, 987, uh, but 15 touchdowns, which is probably what got him uh, that award. So congratulations to him and the Panthers. So uh, lastly, on today's podcast, we... Uh, we'll do some more chalk talk. We haven't done that in a little while. We'll talk about schemes or or something that has to do with the, the technicalities of football. And what we're going to talk about today is, as a quarterback, uh, what you're going to do when you see cover three defense. We're going to talk about reading the cover three. And the reason we want to talk about this is because... I've seen some people throwing interceptions to cover three defenses. Uh, I've been doing it. Okay, maybe that's why we're talking about this. Uh, certainly, uh, the last time I played the Patriots, I threw a lot of interceptions to a cover three defense. Uh, the Patriots run it a lot. Um, I've seen it increasingly from a few other teams. Uh, mostly, I think, just trying to mix up uh, the looks for the offense a little bit. Uh, but... Lost my train of thought. Uh, yeah, so seeing a little more cover three, and you want to know how to read it. Okay, reading defenses 
is really important for quarterbacks. And as a viewer, uh, it's pretty good to be able to read a defense too. So, how do you read a cover three? Well, like all reading, you start left and you go right. Uh, and then if you reach the end of the line, you go down. Uh, so you start out with the C, and that makes a k, k sound. Um, and then it's kind of a flat O. Okay, O. Uh, and then V, we all know what V is. And a flat E. So it's cover, and then R, and everybody knows R. So cover, uh, that's that's the first part of it. Cover. And the second part now, if you see just you know the two little squiggles, uh, that's the number three. But sometimes it's spelled out, uh, and it's important to remember that a T and an H makes a th th sound. So it's th, and then the R again. We all know the R, and then. Two E's, uh, whenever it's two E's, that's a long E. That's an E sound, so it's three, okay? So cover three, okay? That's how you read it. So remember, start at the beginning, left to right, cover three. That's how we read a cover three defense. As always, I'm bringing you the value. You know, I, I hesitate to, to help my opponents uh, get better at things related to football. I don't always want to give this information away. But, you know, that's just kind of the guy I am. I'm giving you that value. Now you know how to read Cover 3 Defense. And that's it for the podcast today. Uh, as always, you can submit your questions via Discord, via text, or leave a voice message uh, on the Anchor uh, page, and I'll get back to you about them. And this was a really long episode, so I'm cutting it off right now.